0: had a good summer so far. Just give me a wave if you've enjoyed yourself. Don't worry about the weather. Just give me a wave if you just enjoyed the fact of just summer, kids, holidays, etc., etc. Wonderful. The conclusion of our summer series is today, and uh, we've been Endeavouring to answer questions, questions and answers. We've looked at why, we've looked at how. We've had a couple of videos that have helped us to do that. We've had some live interviews, live interviews, which have been wonderful. And this morning, it's my joy to be able to answer a question that I'll present to you, or, or, a, or a phrase I'll, I'll, I'll present to you this morning. But before I do that, I, w- I just want to do a little bit of a straw poll, if that's okay. I just want to particularly ask those who are under the age of 21, Have you ever said, I can't, only for an adult, your parent, your school teacher, to pick you up and say, There is no such word as can't? Does that resonate with anybody here this morning who's under the age of 21? Let me just address some adults or parents or older people here. Have you ever said to somebody, There is no such word? As can't, anybody ever said? I think there's a number of people who have used that kind of phrase. Here's another word, but. I I, I have to confess, I found this word uh, early on in my life. It was usually whilst I was being disciplined, usually by my mom, and I would try and deflect away from me, To my older brother who's here this morning, and I would say, but what about Lee? Anybody else ever had a younger or older sibling, and you've tried to deflect something to them, just give me a wave if that's you. So I just need to know that I'm connecting with people this morning. Every one of us, let's be honest, have used the word can't, and we've used the word but... But there is a problem because these words if we don't deal with the can'ts and the buts we carry it through to adulthood. Now while I've got your attention my message this morning is titled get off your Butts." Before you get offended okay before you get offended the butts I speak of is B-U-T. These speak of excuses, objections that we make about certain things. You have your own buts. They're rooted in excuses, fear, insecurity, and stubbornness. I'll repeat that again. You have your own buts. While I'm addressing you, let me put me, we, I, you, me, I. We all have our own buts, and they are rooted in excuses, fear, insecurity, and stubbornness. It's interesting to note, though, that the Bible is full of buts and can'ts from people who we hold up in high esteem. I just want to show you just two or three of the bots, if that's okay with you this morning. Because the first kind of book that I see in the Bible, although it doesn't use the word but, you've got to read it in context and we'll read it together, is when we see the first sin. You see, there was, God had created Adam and then he created Eve. He said it's not good for man to be alone and how true that is. And so he created a woman to be a companion for Adam. And he gave them the run of the the earth, the run of the garden, and said to them, this is all for your pleasure, but just don't touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can have anything else. But we read in Genesis in chapter 3 that there was a serpent, and the serpent, uh, which was Satan, Lucifer, the evil one, who was enticing them to take of the apple. I know there's been lots of cartoons and fairy tale stories about it, but this was the reality. This is where sin entered the world. And Eve was enticed and so was Adam. And they took of the apple. They took it. well, it doesn't say the apple. They took of the fruit. And they ate of the fruit. And they immediately realized what they had done was wrong. They immediately realized that they were naked. You see, they were walking around. There was no shame in it because they just didn't have any understanding of those things, but as soon as they took of it, they realized. And then God, as he normally did, walked in the cool of the day and came, as he always did, and wanted to walk with Adam, which is just a wonderful thought, if you think about it, how God wants to just walk with us. He still wants to walk with us in the cool of your day. He just wants to walk with you and me. And Adam makes a statement to him uh, because he he says to, to God, we're naked, and he says, who told you you're naked? Have you eaten from the tree? But you've got to look at the reply because he didn't use the word but, but you all know what he says. But Eve made me do it. We see the first but because what he did, he made an excuse that actually was not about Adam. He wouldn't take responsibility. What did he try and do? But somebody else made me do it. He tried to deflect it onto his partner, Eve. There's the first but, the first excuse that we see. In the Bible, not only the first sin, but the first excuse. There's another character in the Bible by the name of Jonah. Give me a wave if you've ever heard about Jonah. We always say he was swallowed by a whale. Well, actually, again, the Bible says it was a big fish. It seems, you know, if it's your first time here this morning, you think, is this really true? Some of the stories seem so huge, but they're so real. This is a real story. And what actually happened was Jonah had been asked by God to go to Nineveh to preach a message to Nineveh. And he wanted to see that city converted. But Jonah wasn't happy because they were an undeserving, wretched, think of themselves, immoral kind of group of people. And he thought, they don't deserve the message of grace and salvation, so I'm not going. There was the other but. But what about Nineveh? Have we ever done that where we've looked at people and we thought, why is, have they got the blessing on them? Because look at what they have done. But what about me? I've lived this good life. And these people over here are so horrible and yet they're so blessed. We all use the butts of life. And Jonah used the butt before God as an excuse to stop him from going to Nineveh. By the way, he ended up in the stomach of a large whale. And he ended up going to Nineveh to preach the message of God's amazing salvation to this nation. But the third one that I want to rest on, I want to just open the Bible up for a few moments, not for long, is that Jesus also uses a, uh, tells a story. And again, it uh, has many connotations. I wonder if you just turn with me, if you've got a Bible, to Matthew in chapter 25. Because Jesus tells the story of the parable of the talents. And many people would read into this story uh, about money. Other people would talk about gifts. But what I want to just settle on this, this morning is just the thought around the bot. Because let me just read from, it starts at verse 14, but we're not going to go from there. Let me tell you the story. Jesus tells this story. He says, there was a, there was a, 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 a merchant, there was a business owner who had to go away um, on business. And so he wanted to entrust three of his servants with some talents. And so to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to another he gave one talent. And he said to them, look, I want you to do something with that money whilst I'm away. We see in the story that the one with five talents is very industrious and begins to do something with it. And he makes another five. The one with two talents, he's industrious or she's industrious. And they begin to do something with this money. They begin to do something with the thing that they've been given. And they, again, multiply, double it, and they get another two. But the one who was given one talent, the one who was given one talent, let's look at it, shall we, for a moment, what it says about this servant. And we'll read from verse 24. Because... The man who had received the one talent came. And the master came back and asked them all, one with five, five, one with two, two, and one with the one talent. He said this, master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the garden. See, here is what belongs To you, go with me on this. He doesn't use the word but, but can you hear it running through that sentence? He's making excuses. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown. And I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So that when I returned, I would have at least receive back some interest, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. Jesus uses this story and I think there are many interpretations, but this is my interpretation of that story this morning of another but because Jesus is wanting to get our attention that we have all been given gifts. We've all been given special uh, gifts and talents from God. And God wants us to use all that we have been given. The problem is, if I can be as blunt as this, many of us are using the word can't and but far too often, and we need to get off our butts. And we need to begin to do something with what God has given to us. The problem is with this servant, and I know it's a story, he was ruled by fear because he thought that if I invest, what if I lose it? I think, I have a theory about this, I think he would have been happier, the servant would have been, the the master would have been happier if he'd have had a go and lost it than not to have had a go at all. And too many people, I have to say, I think this is a message that needs to be preached across the nation. It's not because I've used it. Because it just seems to just seep into our fabric of thinking. Particularly in the British Isles, where we just keep hold of what we have. Because we're frightened of losing something. And so it stops us from having a go. And so we use excuses like, but, I can't. And we use those before heaven. And God comes to us today and says to us again, please, get off your bots." You see, this life is worth living. It really is. Christ died a painful, disgraceful, shameful death. Again, he reads, records in, in the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how God, th- through his son, Jesus, hung upon a cross. But let me take you back a few days where he was scourged. He was beaten he was thrashed, he was spat at. he was cursed. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head. His side was pierced. His nails and feet were pierced with nails. And he was hung shamefully naked upon a cross. Why? To give you an abundant life. This life wasn't just meant for you to be saved. It was meant for you to live. For you to live the life that God had purchased for each and every one of you. But many of you are just staying where you are at salvation. You know you are saved. If anything was to happen to you tonight, you knew you would be in the presence of God. But God says, I want so much more for you in this life. There is more life that needs to be lived. doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. God wants you to live This kind of life. It's an abundant life. He purchased a Calvary, an abundant life, a victorious life, an adventurous life, a life of variety. Let me ask you a question. I wonder how many of us are living that kind of life. That abundant, victorious, adventurous life of variety. You see, the problem is many of us live life of excuses, mediocrity and safety. I remember the first time I ever drove a high-powered vehicle, car. If you don't know, if you don't drive, you won't get this. But the first time I drove it, and I was invited to a company car day down in Bedfordshire. I think my brother was with me, actually. I'm not even sure. Chris was was there as well. But you were able. It was an amazing day. They had a test circuit where they test drove all these cars. And they had uh, terrain, and then they had the track that you could take it on. And you could literally book into high-powered cars and take them out. It was the most amazing day. So there was Range Rovers, there was BMWs, there was every kind of car. You just had to put your name down. And then you'd, I thought, is this? there must be a, something around this. There must be, you know, like a trick to it. There wasn't, there was no charge to it. You just... Put your name down, and then you'd go at a certain time, 1040, and you'd get into this brand spanking new Range Rover. What well, you have to understand, as a, like a 22-year-old, 23-year-old kid, I thought like I was in car heaven. It was just amazing. Anybody with me you know what I'm talking about? It was just an amazing, all these cars that I'd seen. Oh, my goodness. So I was there, and I remember... Going, taking, I can't remember what car it was, but I remember the first time I got in a high powered vehicle and I was just poddling along because you have to understand I had an Astra 1.3 at that point. Nothing wrong with an Astra, but it was a 1.3. It was like 0 to 60 in six days. It was amazing. It was just a fantastic car, but it really wasn't that fast. And it used to just poddle along. But here I'm now, I'm in a high powered vehicle. And I remember poddling around the track for the first time, and thinking, this car wants to go. Blokes, you know what I'm talking about. Ladies, you're as bad as the blokes. You know what I'm talking about. This car, it wants to go. And I remember opening up this car, and then they'd wave the flags. Can you remember, Lee, if you was going too fast, the marshals would start waving the flags. Well, I thought, stuff that. They're not the police. I'm going for it. You know. As my father-in-law would say, kill yourself in style. You know, those kinds of statements, just just wonderful. Sorry for all you police guys here, but you know, and I'm not advocating you break the speed limits or be irresponsible. I'm not at all, but I'm just talking about the whole thing. And it was just the, the, the rush of, and I thought about it this morning. It's a bit of a silly illustration, but we have this life that needs to be lived. This life that wants to be opened up. This life that wants to go. And many of us are poddling around. We're just poddling. Now at times I like to poddle. I'm sorry if I'm your worst nightmare on a Sunday. Where sometimes I just want to go slow. I just want to have it. And there's always a boy racer who wants to go around. If you're that boy racer, please don't give me any hand signals. Okay, out of the car. I understand where you want to get to. But I just want to puddle, but I don't want to puddle all the time. Because this life needs to be opened up. This life is meant to be lived. It isn't just about heaven. If you've heard a message, it's all about heaven. It's about living our life now. Of course there's eternity to come, but it's something that God wants us to do now. Otherwise, as soon as we're saved, he'd take us straight to heaven. There's a life that God wants us to live. There's more to do. There's more to see. There's more to experience. There's something that God wants each and every one of us to enter into. If you're 70, don't think your days have passed you by. God wants you to begin to step in to an adventurous, full of variety kind of life. He wants you to open up your life and experience things for the very first time. Otherwise... You will just stay on your butts and you will just live a life of excuses, mediocrity and safety. You must do something. Now I want to show you a verse. I wonder if we could just put it on the screen. If you've got a Bible, please take your Bibles in your hand and I want you to look at it as well. It's found in Philippians and chapter 4. If you don't know the Bible, I want you to remember this Bible verse. Some of you don't know the Bible here this morning. And that's cool. It's not a problem. If some of you need a Bible, you don't own one, go and ask Dad at the resource hub. They'll give you a Bible. But this, 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 this is Philippians 4, verse 13. Wrong verse. Thank you, guys. There we are. Great. I want you to remember this verse. It's a very, very important verse. I'll use this an illustration before I do it. Both my youngest kids are really into basketball. Isaac and Lilia. Isaac more than Lilia, But certainly, they both like it. So Isaac's now into taking just computers and just looking at every illustration of basketball players. They're usually from the States. So they're all doing all kinds of tricks and all kinds of stuff. Training drills, whatever. But he noticed there was a young boy by the... I can't remember his name, but he's 11. The skill of this American boy was just incredible. But as he gave this interview, he was on national TV in the, in the States, he made this statement. He said, this is this little boy talking, he said, uh, one of my inspirations is my dad and the church. This is what he said. He says, and my favorite Bible verse, which s- inspires me to get up in the morning and train and inspires me to do the best I can, is found in Philippians 4, verse Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, if an 11-year-old can remember this verse, I want you to remember it. That's, that's, after three, I want you to read it from here, okay, because it actually is a different version. So after three, one, two, three. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I don't think we have any excuses or we can begin to use the word can't or but any longer whilst this is in the Bible. What the writer of this is trying to say is this you can do through Christ. Let me just make a step further. He has planned great things for you. You may say, well, it hasn't felt like that up to this point. I understand that. There may be a lot of reasons why. But I want to say, God has planned great things for you. Let me just say, they're your things. He has planned for who? for you. So they're your things. Let me just make another statement. They're your things without comparison. Oftentimes, we look at other people and we say, Look at how, what they're doing and look at me. God doesn't want us to live with comparison. He says, I have got things for you. They are whose things? Whose things? They're your things, they're mine. God has planned things for me. Never mind what Hannah's doing. Hannah's wonderful. Hannah's got her own special talents and gifts and opportunities and experiences. Wonderful. Don't live in comparison with Hannah. They're your things. We may look at Jacob and say, well, look at him on that uh, drumming and look at that hairstyle. It's so cool. It's so hip and happening. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's the hairstyle of the day. Wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful. And he's so trendy, and he, is, and he is so amazing on the drums, and he is so amazing in creativity. And, oh, Jacob, and we live with comparison, but God says they're his things, but I have planned things for yeah. you. Yeah. They're your things. Yeah, so I can do all things, whose things, my things, through Christ. We mustn't live with comparison, and we mustn't do their thing. We must do our thing, So God is saying to us, I want you to understand this morning that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let's say it again. I can do all things. Let's say it again. I want you to get it in your spirits. I can do all things. So God has got things for you that he wants you to do. And they're your things, not anybody else's things, they're your things, and you will do this through Christ. So there's two, as I close, basic foundations that I want to lay. Are you still with me so far? Because I'm trying to defeat the bots and the can'ts. I'm trying to get us off our butts. I'm being naughty, but I keep saying it, but you know, you get what I'm saying. So there's two things that I want us to understand, foundational. The first thing we must do, because the reality is, if we're all honest, we all have buts and can'ts in our lives. So we must deal with the issue. We've got to go to the root. We need to face it. We need to face it. Now, it's impossible in this time that I've got to try and just give a step-by-step guide because there's a lot of stuff that needs to be worked through in these, but I'll just lay them as basic foundations that will give you a little bit of thought to work through, perhaps in the days and weeks ahead. So what are the root issues? Well, first of all is, let me talk to me now, my inadequacies. So, my inadequacies. Because the reality is, thank you, Julie, the reality is, I feel inadequate. I often feel inadequate. I feel inadequate very often to stand here. I feel often feel inadequate to lead the church with a group of other guys. I feel inadequate as a dad sometimes. I feel inadequate as a husband. I feel inadequate. You put me with a group of brain surgeons, and I completely feel inadequate, or theologians, or I feel inadequate. And if we're, often, uh, if we're honest, you sometimes feel inadequate. So we've got to deal with our inadequacies. And often many people rest on their butts of inadequacy. They say, well, I'm inadequate, so that gets me off the hook. No, it doesn't get us off the hook, because remember, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. So actually, without me feeling inadequate, because the bed partner of inadequacy is insecurity. Let me talk to the insecurity now in me because there's a times that I feel insecure. And you do too. There's times when you feel like you're all at sea. And even the tough blokes amongst us at times feel insecure. It's just that we're good at hiding it. But I'm reminded of the fact that God says in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1 that I chose the weak things, that I chose the foolish things, that I chose the despised things. God says this. But often we just rest on our inadequacies and our insecurities and we must deal with our inadequacies and our insecurities and we need to know and we need to remind ourselves that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The third thing is we often, the real issue is our, I'll just say it as it is, our laziness. Because we look at other people, and we think that they've got it all sorted and, and then we say, but, you know, it's more difficult for me. Really what we're doing is we're just making an excuse for our laziness. I've done it many times. I'm talking to me for my laziness. I've wrapped it up in courses, spiritual kind of stuff, but it's been, been my laziness. My just lack of preparation. My lack of just being committed to the thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This morning, just help me this morning. We've got to deal with it. We've got to face it. And the other thing is our fears. And they're very real. And we build them up in our minds, don't we? There are things that I've built up in my mind so big, I've made them bigger than Jesus. And nothing is bigger than Jesus. And yet I've built this thing up in my mind, this fear in my mind. And we have to deal and face the issues. If you feel inadequate, if you feel insecure, if there's a laziness around you, if you're full of fear, I want us to remember that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. This is not self-help. This is not you getting by because I can do all things through who? Through Christ who strengthens me. If we will face our issues, and face up to our bots and our can'ts, then we are on the path, I believe, the first step. And the second thing that I want us to say is this, not only do we need to face our issues, but we now need to fill our life with a number of things. First of all, can I say this to you? We must fill our lives with Jesus. If you're here for the very first time, or you're on a bit of a journey trying to make sense of life, I want to encourage you To just inquire more about Jesus. Get a Bible. Talk to some of the Christians. Ask lots of questions. Because I really believe that if we are going to get off our butts and our can'ts, the only way that we'll do that is by facing the issues, and then we need to fill our lives with Jesus. As we fill our lives with Jesus then wonderful things begin to take place because Jesus promises that he gave his life and life of all of its fullness. Jesus knows that you're going to encounter troubles because you may say, Christian, oh, you're talking about come to Jesus and everything's going to be all right. Of course I'm not. Jesus knows you're going to have troubles. He knows you're going to have challenges. This is part of the rich tapestry called life. But I read this this week, but when something bad happens, you have three choices. One, you can either let it define you, two, let it destroy you, or three, you can let it strengthen you. I'll say that again. When something bad happens to you, three choices, you can either let it define you, let it destroy you, or you can let it strengthen you. Jesus knows you can have challenges, but he wants you to be strengthened through the challenges that you face. He wants you to fill your life with him. He wants you to get to know him because I can do all things Through Christ, who strengthens me. The other thing we need to do is we need to fill our life with good messages. We need to fill our lives with good messages. Some people fill their lives with so much rubbish, it's unbelievable. You read everything but the Bible. You read every woman's magazine. You read every men's magazine. You read every pop magazine, you read every other novel and every other book, and yet you never touch the Bible. Let me tell you, if you want to be full of Christ, you need to get in the Bible. Fill your life with Jesus and fill your life with good messages. Fill your life. I understand there's music that we enjoy and we love putting it on the car, but why don't we fill our lives with great messages? messages around that We were in the most privileged age in terms of technology. You can listen to a message the other side of the world. Your favorite speaker, you can listen to them whenever you want because it's called podcast. You can get the tapes. You can even watch them on on your computer. It's just an amazing thing. If I can say this, my mom, she's now got an iPad mini and she's now, she's telling me how to, you know, she's, she's a specialist. If you've got any IT problems, just go and see my mom. She'll sort you out. She's telling me everything. Have you seen this? Have you seen that? I said, mom, I've known it for years. Oh, no, you've not seen this. Wonderful. Wonderful. All kinds of music and messages. There is no excuses. If we want to get off our butts and our can'ts, listen to me. We need to fill our lives with Jesus and we need to fill our lives with good messages. We need to fill our lives with good books. We need to fill our lives with good music. We need to fill our lives with good inspiration. And get this, we need to fill our lives with good people. Meet with people who will encourage you, those who will do you good. We've got Paul and Liz here, and during the autumn, they're going to be sharing into the whole area of small groups because we're passionate about it. I'm telling you, we're not going to let this die. We're going to keep going for it because we believe we want to see everybody in small groups. We want to see small groups really just take part of the life of the church, not a bolt-on. We want it to be part of the life of the church. And one of the things that they do is that they encourage people, and we encourage people to come together because they'll do you good. And listen to me. If you're meeting with people who do you bad, you need to start meeting with them. If you're meeting with people who are moan and groan, I want to be dead bold. they moan and groan about me. They won't groan about Phil because Phil has... Angels river dance on his duvet and it's just, is a simul, what was that? The saint, Simon, Simon Templeton, you know, he's, he just walks around, he glows in the dark. I'm just in awe of him. Okay. They'll moan and groan about me. If people are moaning and groaning about me, stop meeting with them. Because it's not as bad as they say. I'm not as bad as they say. I'm not start meeting with them. If people are moaning and groaning about the elders of the church and the leaders and whatever, stop meeting with them. I'm serious. They'll do you no good at all. Or say to them, if we're going to remain friends, I'm not going to Lisa because she's doing it, because I'm doing it, because I know she done. If we are going to remain friends, I think we need to not talk about these things any longer. And by the way, I'm having to be careful. I've had to have some of those conversations with people in my world. Because you have to understand, pastors can sometimes be the most critical. Have an opinion about everything, other churches, and I won't go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there with people that have gone. I don't want to go there with people who are here. I want to be meeting with people who are going to encourage one another, Lisa. Share and build each other one up in love. That's who I want to be with. And if we want to deal with our buts and our can'ts, We need to also meet with good people. And we need to take a pass on those who groan and who gossip. If you're a groaner and you're a gossiper this morning, there is hope because we've all been there. Let's be honest, don't we? We've all been groaners and we've all been gossipers. Oh, I'm the only one, am I? I'm the only one. We've all done it but what we have to dis- de- determine and discern in our hearts so that that's not going to build our lives up. It's not going to do us any good at all. It's not going to change anything. So what I'm going to do, instead of being negative, I'm going to go with a positive. Because I don't want to live with the buts and the can'ts. I want to deal with the issues. I want to face them. And then I want to fill my life with Jesus, with good things, with books and material, with people around my world who are going to stir me on in the things of God. Finally, anybody here need to get off your butt? I wonder if we close our eyes and bow our heads in prayer.